We sometimes think that honour and shame is not a part of the Western world, that it's part of the Eastern philosophy or that we've moved on from it. Today in Espresso and Earl Grey, Dr. Sam and I talk about how honour and shame is actually part and parcel in our increasingly tribalised society. So grab yourself a stimulating beverage and join us for another Espresso and Earl Grey. So Sam, crazy rich Asians, shame and honour. Crazy rich Asians is so going to get me in trouble because I saw that and I saw how all the women had the main roles most of the men had no speaking roles or they were just there for comedic value and it totally reflects the asian culture which is, it's actually a matriarchy a lot of these traditional mm. cultures the men are silent they just yes. work hard they pay the bills they're emotionally illiterate they don't have a conversation the women actually run everything yep. and as the movie showed if you bring back a romantic partner you have to get the mum's approval. Yes, yes. And the climactic scene in the movie, she had to win over the mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny, I watch all these Anglo movies, like... It's the dad. All these Anglos have dad issues, but for us Asians, it's yeah. mummy issues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like our mummies had a hold over us in a way our dads never did. Do you think it's, it's a matter of overprotectiveness of the mother or is it what is it i think the mothers like to say they're being protective but i think they have so much shame and honor invested in the lives of their children as we mentioned in the early yeah. episodes yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they left lucrative careers to come to australia for the children's future they find themselves as home carers where maybe they're going to be ceo in singapore and so really they need something to validate their yeah, choice yeah. so so they need more than ever their children have the trophy family the trophy job their yeah. children become their trophies yeah. so shame and honor um shame is how would we define that shame is oh shame is one of those slippery words like civilization you recognize it, it when you see it yeah 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 it's when it's a it's when it's the feeling well there's there's different types of shame isn't that's there? and that's where a lot of my anglo friends get this all confused they yeah. say shame is a feeling yeah whereas guilt and innocence is a status yeah but we know it's a both end guilt and innocence is a status external objective yes reality but yeah. at the same time we feel guilty guilt so there's shame. a subjective yeah. moment yeah, as well. so there seems to be like a, a external and an internal shame where an internal shame is where we feel uncomfortable or we feel um, grieved by a particular action or a particular uh, characteristic or whatnot. But there's an external shame where a body or a community places upon you shame. Yeah, so they're expectations of your tribe, yeah. your family, your community. And if you fall short of those expectations, you have dishonoured your community. You've yeah. brought shame on your community. And more than that, they call you out yeah. and they shame, shun and expel you. That's so fascinating because sometimes we say that the Western culture has moved on from shame and honour, but we actually 
haven't because we're actually quite a tribalistic culture, aren't we? Who, where if you don't fit within this category, then you are going to be shamed. Yes, now more than ever. So we thought through the Enlightenment, through the Industrial Revolution, we left our villages because now we just go to the city and we work anonymously. So our, our street doesn't know us, our suburb doesn't know us. We're no longer part of a small village. But now the, the stakes are even higher. John Ronson in his book, So You've Been Shamed, shows how if you just put a step wrong, you get outed and there's a viral Twitter feed where your life will never go back to normal. You will be unemployable now, uh, not just in your own village, but almost in yeah. the global Western yeah. world. Someone just needs to do a Google search of your name and that's it. It's, it's for eternity. There's a very objective yeah. status there. Yeah. So what is so p- particular about shame and honour in an Asian Australian culture? What is it about Asianness that brings about shame and honour? Well, I think the West has moved so far post-West. It's almost like we've done a circle and become Eastern. One of the things I point out is rugby league players or professional sports players, if you try to tell them you've got to follow the rules, so don't party too hard, don't do drugs, uh, it has no effect because... They feel like they're, they, we're professional sports people, we're above the rules. So they started to use language of shame and honour to professional sports people. You have brought the game into disrepute mm. or you have let down your teammates. Mm. So that's language of shame and honour. Mm. So somehow now both the West and the East are living in shame, honour cultures. Yeah. And is, this, is shame and honour something good because we we've been talking about it in a very negative light it seems is it is there something good about shame and honor well the flip side is honor glory so i remember when i was living in america in the year 2000 when sydney put on its olympics and the olympics brought glory and honor right. to australia yeah, yeah, and yeah. when kathy freeman won her race even my american friends were talking about kathy freeman and so that image of her winning with the Australian flag around her, that brought honour and glory, not just to Kathy Freeman, but to her tribe, to Australia. So that's the positive side. In the same way you can let down your tribe, you can actually bring glory and honour to your tribe. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a matter of... Um, we are all living in a shame and honour context, aren't we? Yeah, just we, whether we knew it or not. We, yeah, whether it's like... It's, it's like... Um, what is culture? Do you, do you ask a fish what water is? No, you don't ask a fish what, what it feels like to be wet. You, you have to have that kind of um, cross-cultural experience before you actually start seeing it within yourself, which is kind of what um, Asian Australians are really help. Like our space of being third culture allows us to actually connect and see uh, shame and culture, sorry, shame and honour within our society. Yeah, and now because we're external to a lot of our culture, we can see it in those cultures, even people have missed it for themselves. It's there in the surfing community, for example. Mm. There's real shame and honour in those communities. It's there in my local AFL yeah, community. Yeah, yeah. There's shame and honour there. Yeah, yeah. And I would imagine when I, well, I thought I would be when I moved to Australia when I was six, I was expecting to be the outcast. I was expecting, but then 
my teacher actually really honoured me in the sense that she was telling everyone, hey, look, this was in the 90s, so and this was in Hurstville. But before, kind of, Hurstville was a huge Asian hub, um, there were Greeks and um, uh, Italians and stuff in my class. But she was saying, hey, look, this person speaks a different language to us. Look, this person brought a Chinese comic to class. And I remember I got a little, little blue card that said, uh, brought Chinese comic to class uh, and sh shared the culture of the... I was just having fun, you know? I didn't know anything. But she really brought along the sense that there wasn't any kind of racism. And I guess racism is shame and honour, isn't it? It's shaming a group of people that is not of your tribe and honouring those that are. Yeah, it's all about our tribe has standards. So you need to meet those standards. Mm. And if you do, you brought honour to the tribe. And, and the tribe honours you. You're one of the tribe. So it goes both ways. But shame is just merely falling short of those standards. And as I said earlier, uh, now that in, in the West, guilt and innocence has lost those sort of emotional tractions they once yeah, had. Yeah. Shame and honour are very real and very effective ways as well. So I'll give another example. Vancouver lost one of the hockey games quite a few years ago and people rioted. They, they smashed shop windows, they overturned cars and Vancouver up until now was very proud because they thought, hey, we're very environmentally progressive. We've just put on the most amazing Winter Olympics and suddenly these people had dishonoured the city by rioting. So every newspaper front page had the word shame on it. And web pages back then were uploading pictures of people writing onto their shame yeah, file. Yeah. And it was the same with, with in the COVID period, right? That those who hoarded, um, Scott Morrison said, that that's so shameful. That is a un-Australian thing to do. Wow. You are not part of the tribe of Australia. These are not our standards. Yeah, because you haven't broken any criminal laws no. by hoarding toilet paper it's perfectly legal but it's shameful mm. so it's a it's a very useful category or or when people still kept meeting in public like on crowded beaches it was almost like we were shaming those people to get them to behave appropriately mm. socially responsibly mm. see that's what shame and honor does it makes us realize i'm more than just the individual I'm part of a tribe and I have social responsibility and I have an interdependence where my actions affect mm. the people around me. Mm. So I guess really shame and honour is not that negative. It's quite normal that in every tribe there are standards and we could even say in the judicial system, the judicial system those are standards of shame and honour. Uh, if you kill someone... Um, that that's looked down upon if you steal something that's looked down upon if you if you speed that's looked down upon um, But then if you are a valued citizen, then you're honored. So really it's not that different Even in the past Yeah, so it's all about checks and balances and and if it's only guilt and innocence oh, We've lost something, but it's only shame and honor. We lost something as well. They're, they're both strands both need to be there. Yeah. Have you heard, have you read Brene Brown's book? 
daring to be bold or something. No, not at well, all. So she has a different, she has a really interesting view of shame where she says the opposite of shame. So shame leads to a, uh, a bad life, but a good life to shame isn't to be proud, but a good life is to be vulnerable. Wow. Um, is to actually show what's wrong with yourself. That is actually leading to a good life. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so shame and honour, again, remind us, I'm not just an individual. My actions have consequences on the collective, but more than that, I am who I am because of the collective. And so that teaches us to, to be humble. It's interesting, I have a friend that they went skiing in Japan and they saw really good snow on one side of the mountain, but it was out of bounds. So then no one looking, they ducked under the barrier and went, <laughs> and went skiing. And the Japanese people in the chairlift who could see them just yelled out, have you no shame? Wow. That's... Again, as a Westerner, we think, but this is perfectly good snow. Yeah. Why can't I enjoy it? I've got yeah, to do whatever yeah. it takes to make yeah, me happy. Yeah. But a shame on a culture saying... But you're not independent. These have actions we, have consequences on other people. Have we moved on then from a very individualistic culture then? Because an individualistic culture might say, well, that's okay. You can yell at me, um, but I can do whatever I want. Have we then moved on in the West to a bit more of a collectivist culture? I think we have, whether we realise it or not. So on the one hand, we preach individualism. You've got to do whatever it takes to make you happy. You only live once. Don't listen to what anyone else tells you to do. But as the corrective, we seem to have this... Well, because the West is only navigating for the first time, a very harsh, unforgiving shame on a culture where we out people, we call them out, and we shame them online. And once it's gone out there, it can't ever come back. And the West is just navigating this new space, it seems. Yeah. And I guess as a Christian, shame and honour is something quite prevalent as well. Um, we shame... Well, I guess if, if we do something wrong, we, we are shaming not only God, but also shaming the community. Because we're, we're, we then become hypocrites, right? How do you view shame and honour as a, as a Christian? I think it really helps us understand what I've done wrong. I know when I still speak in front of high school groups, if I gave them the traditional Western explanation of the message of the Bible, which is there are ten commandments from God, you've broken them, you're guilty, you need forgiveness... I can just see the eyes rolling yeah, in yeah. the high school students. But if I explain it using the shame and honor language, which is also there in the Bible, which goes like this. There's a God. He loves you. He made you. He blesses you. He gives you life. But you haven't honored him mm. as your God. Suddenly every kid looks at me and goes, huh, that sort of makes sense. Yeah. I am not honoring God. I fall short. Yeah, yeah. Of where I need to be with his God. So instead of me having broken a law, I say, hey, we fall short of not the tribal standards, but the standards that God has for us. But then the flip side is shame and honor gives us good news in a way no other system can, 
Because right now they say the problem with the West, now that we've moved into this shame honor culture where we call out people, there's no forgiveness. Mm. We live in a culture in the West where there's no forgiveness. We can't forgive ourselves because we fall short of where we want to be. Our tribe won't forgive us. But hang on, in the Bible it says there's a God. He stands a higher than you can ever imagine. But this God will forgive you. Mm. So now you can navigate life with forgiveness, knowing that you are forgiven. So shame and honor goes both ways. On the one hand, it explains why we're broken, why, why we've dishonored this God. But on the other hand, it says, hey, you're forgiven. Yeah, I remember when I was uh, preparing this talk for an Asian audience, I used the image of family and how we have dishonored God's family as God the Father. And, but he brings Jesus in to bring us honor and to bring us back, which for an for a Asian audience, they, they understood. It actually got to their feelings as opposed to their, just their intellect. Yeah, that's right, because often they accuse the Christian message of this legal fiction. How can I be innocent when I'm not innocent? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, what do I care that Jesus was innocent? I, I, I'm not. But, but somehow shame and honor gets it. There, there's a collective identity and someone else's actions also become your status. I would say it's like when we say, hey, Australia, we won the ashes. And then someone could say, we? Like, mm. I didn't see you batting. I didn't see you bowling. No, but there's a collective identity that we have. And so when the Australian cricket team wins, we win. And when they dishonor us with a bore tampering scandal, like, why, would we, why do we feel so mm. outraged? Yeah, 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 we feel ashamed. We feel ashamed. Don't ashamed. We? Yeah. Yeah. So as, as we're wrapping up this and thinking through this, where does, how do you feel being a part of God's family? I love the word face. If for, for a long time, Chinese has this word face. I've got to save face, which yes. was almost impossible to translate into yes. the English language yes. because people took face literally. Yeah, yeah. What How, what's, the best, what's the best translation for that? Like, what's the best metaphor for it, you reckon? It's honour. It's, it's, it's honour. Okay, Oh, that, that. To save to to save my representation of myself is that right? To and and also the status and identity yeah, of my community, yeah, yeah, yeah. my family. To save my respect. Yeah, and not just mine, but the families. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and there's this verse in the Bible that goes, "May the Lord bless you, may He keep you, may He make His face." shine upon you and now I do a word search for the word face in the bible it's everywhere it's my phd supervisor graham cole who taught me this <laughs> i didn't discover it it's there all in the bible yeah, but is. we've missed it yes and it's saying we can't save face we've lost face but there's a god who will shine his face upon you so it's to know that every day i can navigate life knowing there's a god who blesses me who keeps me and his face is shining upon me right now.
Dragonfly by Gary Snyder. Dragonfly, dead on the snow, how did you come so high? Did you leave your seed child in a mountain pool before you died? This has been Espresso and Earl Grey, and we've just been talking about honour and shame. I hope you got something out of this, and that you've seen how honour and shame serves our everyday lives. If you like us, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. We'll see you next time on Espresso and Earl Grey.